In a land far, far away, not really, two brave souls unite. Unite to embark on a mission to review the greatest films, or at least somewhat watchable. Join in on the journey with the professionally unprofessional film critics, The Film Bros. This product is rated B for badass. Ladies and gentlemen, it's your film brothers, and we are back for another Keeping It Real, where we're going over the news from around the film world. And before we get into that, though, I think we have to stop and thank everyone for the fact that we had the Bad Boys review was our biggest episode yet universally. Did did highest numbers on our own feed, did pretty solid numbers on uh, the Hameen Media Group. And then also on the breaks, like we just that that was a great episode, and that couldn't happen without you guys sharing it and everything. So uh, we want to thank you guys. For it. All right, what? In the name of love, you heard my cast. <laughs> You're stupid, bro. Of uh, course. But to piggyback off that, staying on on top of the bad boys for the for the first topic for today. So bad boys for life completely dominated at the box office bro i think uh worldwide I, I, correct me if i'm wrong did like over 130 million the first week i believe you're correct i believe it's over 150 now yeah. if i'm not mistaken 157 i think that's correct and by the time of this this recording uh, by the time you guys listen to this it, it'll be even higher than that because it'll be after the second weekend so we're looking at pro- probably about 200 250 million by the time of this recording for a franchise that was fucking dead for 15 years like that's that's crazy um what do you think about bad boys for life dominating the box office like it has it also broke the record well not broke the record it's the second largest martin luther king day opening ever i can't remember the film that it's behind what do you think jb um because i read that it's the it's the biggest january weekend ever oh was it okay maybe maybe it's like 52 million i think it's the biggest january weekend ever which is crazy i mean we've been harping for weeks now that january is a dump month and boom out of nowhere will smith martin lawrence two veterans of the game come on shatter records and i I think that well january is the dumping ground that's absolutely dumping ground i also think that for something like you're reviving a franchise it's kind of the perfect month to be in because you're not going to have any competition and then if it happened even even if you only get the nostalgia ticket sales from that point, right. you're still going to be successful because there's nothing else really around. So it, it, it was a smart risk for them to uh, put it in January and to kind of bring the franchise back the way that they did. But, you know, going forward, it's 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 going to be interesting to see what they do going forward. Michael Bay, Michael Bay's coming back. And I That's just I, I really just don't want him to come back to this franchise, bro. I really don't. Well, well, I know. And if it bombs, you know, everyone's going to be blasting him exactly. and blaming him. But exactly. um, I, I do. I know we're not really t- like trying to go too much into this or whatever, but it's just because it came up today because people were speculating on what bad boys because they're definitely coming out with a bad boys Four. bad boys. Yeah. Three had it's that mid, um, mid credit scene. And. Yeah. You saw Will and his son, you know, his son in the movie. So people are thinking maybe it'll be something geared towards that. Um, we don't know yet if we'll get Martin because Martin technically did retire, but I can't imagine a Bad Boys without Martin, even if Will and his son is the focal point. Yeah, I think they, that's why they did it that way. In case they can't convince Martin Lawrence to come back, they have him and his son. But you know, this does remind me of Fast and Furious because Fast and Furious was a completely dormant franchise as well till they came out with 
just Fast and Furious, and they completely revitalized the franchise. And then that's when they started turning into more of a heist series than just a car series. And this could do that. Like, I really, I think that when they casted Ammo, we talked about this in our few review, so check that right. out if you guys haven't. But the way that they set up the cast in uh, for, for Ammo in this film definitely sets it up to where you can spin it off to a franchise. So, Yeah, I think, and I think they, that was done on purpose. Yeah. Um, they probably figured, listen, this is movie bombs. We're done. Yeah. And if it, if it doesn't bomb, then we're setting up the next generation. Exactly. So yeah, I think that was done intentionally. Absolutely. But an interesting thing that, that I came across in, in getting to this list together is that before this came out, the same directors from bad boys for life were already set to do the new Beverly Hills cop uh part four i think it's four right is that four yes it, yes it's four so uh the, they were already on tap to do that so they're definitely going to do it now like you have to think that if you revitalize one cop franchise the people who hired them are definitely like all right we definitely made the right decision let's go ahead and get this rolling do you think that is it too similar of a franchise for them to do do you think that or does it make sense for them to kind of bring over what they did with uh, Bad Boys for Life into Beverly Hills Cop 4? No, I think it absolutely um, it's good. I mean, they have the they have the experience in this type of genre. In addition to that, um, although it's the same type of thing with cops and everything, it's two totally different casts. I mean, don't get me wrong. They're all all stars here. I mean, you have uh, Eddie Murphy on one side who's freaking iconic and then you have Will and Martin on the other side. So. You know, these first of all, these directors are lucky as shit because they're around some great people. Yeah. But yeah, I think I think we're gonna get some good stuff. I don't know if it'll be like because Beverly Hills Cop Three has always been my favorite in that in that genre. I know a lot of people like one, but um, it'll be top to you know you know hard to top those. But we'll see. I mean, I, I'm in it. I, they've they've impressed me so far. Yeah, and then I mean Eddie Murphy's also on the on the way up. So yeah, I'm I'm interested. That, that parent, I can't wait to see. Um, but let's get into our second topic for today. And our second topic is Doolittle. We talked about something overachieving, but <laughs> Doolittle from Robert Downey Jr. is expected to lose up to $100 million. Like, that's crazy, bro. $100 million. To lose $100 million on a film starring someone whose people love Robert Downey Jr. after playing Iron Man. Like, they completely screwed the pooch on this one. Have you seen Doolittle? No, and I was actually going to ask you if you've seen it. And furthermore... You have you not seen it I yet? I have not, and that and that says have, a lot because my kids have not brought up Doolittle at all. Which I was I'm shocked because you do have kids, so I figured you probably watched you know because your kids have asked you. But another thing is, I mean, it's weird because Doolittle has a backing. I mean, Doolittle Eddie Murphy did a couple Doolittle movies, so there is some sort of fan base there. And then on top of that, you have Robert Downey Jr., who again has a huge fan base coming off of Iron Man and all the Avenger movies and all these, you know, comic book movies. So you would think this is going to be a blockbuster, and I was shocked to see how bad it's doing. And my question to you is, cuz you know more of him than I do, is this a hit on Robert Downey Jr.? No, I don't. I don't think he's for like even in some of the reviews I I read, haven't really faulted his performance much. It's just a stu- like even Doctor Doolittle with Eddie Murphy was contemporary. It was set in that in that time period. Like th- them going back to like and there's dragons and back in the time <laughs> of England and shit. Like that right there is already weird for people who associate Doolittle with Doctor Doolittle from Eddie Murphy. So I just I just. I don't know, I just think this was the perfect storm of everything against it, and then even the CGI in it. When you have something that's so CGI heavy, and it just looked like shit, 
I mean, that's what you get, man. I don't think we'll be seeing like a Doolittle two remake or anything. No, it's not happening. No, that, <laughs> that that shit's dead, bro. That shit is dead. Um, but one thing that was dead that's now revitalized, Bad Robot is actually going to be making Justice League dark films, and uh, I I know you're not a huge comic book movie person. No, so this is all you. So in this, like Justice League Dark was announced a while ago, and I believe Guillermo del Toro was actually supposed to do. Swamp Thing or something like that. Correct me if I'm wrong, but he was supposed to have a part in in crafting the Justice League Dark. And so, what Justice League Dark is, it's the darker characters of the DC universe that form a team. Um, it's it's uh, Constantine, Swamp Thing, Zatanna, who's a who's a, a sorceress, and oh god, uh, nerds, don't kill me because I'm I'm losing <laughs> blank on who else was supposed to be. Involved. Was Justice League on Cartoons Network or am I thinking of something totally different? Yeah, just Justice League was, but that's that's. It's this is Justice, Justice League, League Dark. This is, okay. this is different. Um, the heel version. It's not really heels. They're good guys. They're just, it's weird. It's hard to explain. It's so, DC had characters that were kind of more hardcore. That's this Justice League. Gotcha. And there's actually a cartoon uh, movie, an animated movie for Justice League Dark that's really, really good that people should check out. So, Bad Robot, which is owned by J.J. Abrams, right? Isn't okay. That, yeah. Well, I, I don't know. He's talking the wrong I dude believe, right now. I believe. I know he has a, a role in it. Like, so that this coming together, I'm really excited for. And I think JJ Abrams deserves like a playground. Like he always does good when you just give him something. Cause he has that whole mystery box thing he likes to do. And if you let him see it through while not everyone's going to love what, what he ends up pulling out here, there's going to be some an- unanswered questions. But I think when you give JJ Abrams, if he's even going to be involved, this is completely speculation. Um, a, a playground like that to play in, it could be, it could be something good. Yeah. Again, I don't know much about, these types of movies or what, anything you're talking about really. But <laughs> that's the really cool thing though, about doing what we're doing right now, because a lot of movies I normally wouldn't watch because we're in this space. It, it motivates me to actually watch it because, and even by doing this podcast and doing this show, I'm looking at movies a lot different. I've always looked at movies. I feel differently than most, but I'm, I'm looking at it even different. I'm looking at things like cinematography and soundtrack. Yeah. Whereas before, sure. I'll notice those things if it jumped out at me, but I'm, I wasn't necessarily looking for those things. So, um, this podcast has actually done a lot well for me in, in, in terms of that. So I'll, I'll definitely be checking that out, of course. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Let's go ahead and move off that, something that we can both talk about. Uh, we were both big fans of Once Upon a Time. So Quentin Tarantino is actually, reportedly, and this may not happen because some things fall through with Quentin Tarantino, is going to be directing a spinoff TV series uh, based off one upon, Once Upon a Time. And so what this is is that the character that uh, Leonardo DiCaprio played was an actor. He did a TV series on that in that movie. They're actually going to be making a that TV series into into a miniseries. So there's reports saying that DiCaprio may come back. We we don't know for a TV show. Wow. But but and that's the thing is that if Tarantino's actually doing it, I can see him convincing Leonardo to come and do like a three episode thing. And if it has the production quality of a movie, I can see them doing it. And you know that that line's being being blurred really between TV and movies more and more the the, the further we go into it. So sure. while yes, DiCaprio doing a TV series, even no matter how short it is, does sound like really, but I, I can see it happening. Yeah, absolutely. And like you actually said it, we're seeing so many TV series and things that are like basically just like a movie. Yeah. And did they say where this would be? Like, would this be on network television? Would this be on Netflix? Some streaming thing? Don't get. I may I may be incorrect on this, um, but I, I did believe 
NBC or a- ABC, I believe they that I so saw that link. I saw that link somewhere, but I may be wrong. Yeah, I mean, uh, that'll be interesting to see. But I mean, hey, once upon a time right now is having all kinds of steam. I mean, Brad Pitt is sweeping up when it comes yeah. to supporting role. Uh, once a time, uh, uh, the movie itself has won some awards. Quentin Tarantino has racked up some awards. And Oscars are coming up. They're nominated in all the big categories. So I'm sure they're going to rack up something. So, yeah, I mean, why why not? Why not do a spinoff and, you know, collect on it? And Quentin Tarantino, uh, as far as I know, I don't ever remember him doing any sort of TV shows and series, so this might be something new for him. And with his type of directing, I could totally get behind. I would love to see what he does in an episodic type of thing. Yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah, I, I love to see what Quentin Tarantino would do with a long form thing. Like he really doesn't do many sequels. Like I know we had Kill Bill volumes one and two. Has he done other any other sequels than that? Well, I know he did from Dust till dawn. I don't know if he did this, you know, the ones after he didn't, that. No, he didn't have any because those were all direct to DVD. So he didn't do anything after that. I really don't think Tarantino's done many sequels, so we haven't really got to see Is him. Kill like, Bill, yeah, except Kill Bill. So I haven't. We don't really get to see him like tell a story over multiple movies or things. So it would be interesting to see like how he draws this out if he does do the TV series. Now I think, and I, I may be wrong, but I could have swore I read a couple weeks ago they are coming out with the, the Django Unchained two. I did not read anything about that, so I'm gonna have to do. Some I could be wrong, afterwards. but I could have swore I read something like that. Uh, I, would, I don't even even if they do, I don't know if it's Tarantino well, behind the, it. The thing is, is that Tarantino has always said that like he's gonna like his next film. I think is supposed to be his last one. So him dabbling into this, Ever? Team, I believe so. He's supposed to be so retired. So young. Hey, I'm just I'm just telling you what he said. Um, so maybe his work away around that is doing TV series. Can you can you imagine True. him like going back like I. One of the, one thing that I would love, because you know how, like, I don't know if you watched Fargo, the TV series. Have, did you ever watch No, that? I've heard. I need to because I've heard Amazed, crazy good things about a, it. Yes. A great thing. Could you imagine him, like, going back to, like, do, like, Reservoir Dogs in a TV hmm. series? Like, something he, like he, that? He, he I would turn some crazy shit. Yeah, yeah, I would like him to just revitalize some of his older works and, and use longer form storytelling for it. And maybe not him not even do it. Maybe he just signs on as, as a producer or he contributes to the story and kind of oversees it. But I would love to see some of these properties that he started um, come back like that. So Absolutely agreed. Yeah, for sure. Um, we're winding down to our topics here. One of the ones, the last ones that we have is Disney officially removes Fox from the 20th century and Searchlight logo. So for all intents and purposes, and it's funny because when they first bought Fox, they talked about how that name was still going to be around. Like Bob Iger said this specifically that Fox was still going to be around. They even still, the old Fox lots, they're actually still renting that from, uh, I forgot, Fox Broadcasting. I think that's the parent. They didn't buy yeah. the broadcast part. They just bought no. 20th Century Fox. But they're still renting those film lots from them um, because Fox Broadcasting has no use for them because they're not doing movies and TV shows anymore. So, um, just them removing this name is just like, man, damn, like Fox is really good. something that's been around forever, bro. Like, do you remember like seeing the Fox, the fanfare? Like, isn't that what they call the the little sound before when that comes on? And I know we'll, we'll still get that with the new 20th century logo. But the fact that they are actually removing the name Fox from everything is just like, damn. Do you think that? I don't know. I guess because there's still a company going around that's named Fox, they were probably like, look, we just need to completely separate it to, to cut out all that confusion. 
Yeah, I know some people online are kind of tripping about this. It's because it's something that is kind of near and dear to us, you know, film fans and stuff. Again, like that opening you're talking about with the the 20th Century Fox and the the sound and everything. But, you know, to be honest and fair here, when any two companies merge, one company always gets you know, kind of goes bye-bye. And in this case, the mouse killed the fox pretty much. And, you know, it's it, that's just the way it is. And also, I'm not trying to get political here, but keep Fox News and, and I don't think this is trying it. to, trying yeah. to like do any affiliations with Fox News. I mean, Fox, a lot of people don't realize, and a lot of people probably don't even, you know, even realize yet that Fox News is not owned by Disney. Yeah. Fox Sports is not owned by Disney. When this this deal happened and this quote unquote merger happened, Fox News and Fox Sports were not part of it. Fox still runs, their, like you said, their own broadcasting, but they only do news and sports now. They've shied away from movies. Well, and the thing is, is that Fox Sports was originally part of of, of Fox the Fox Studios that they bought, but they uh, they had to sell that part off or separate that part because Disney owns ESPN, and it would have been a monopoly had they also bought Fox Sports. Um, right, they own eighty percent of ESPN. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, the fact is, is that twentieth century. It's still around. Like it's just they just took the fox off. Searchlight is still around. And I think as we talk about like Disney not wanting to label rated R movies as by Disney, these studios are still going to be used. Like, yeah, they still cut off. I think they cut off like 70% of the Fox workforce, unfortunately. And it sucks that those people lost those jobs. But the fact that those studios are still around tells me that Disney has some use for them. And I hope that, that that that's going to be to still give us these old friends because they own alien now too i think alien or predator was was part of that i, can't I feel like they own one. everything at yeah this point. at this point it's like what don't they own but yeah, yeah. i think a lot of those franchises are still going to come out under that 20th century and, and searchlight um uh name so it's not it's, it's gone but not forgotten <laughs> exactly and i mean we're the generation like i think every generation has seen stuff that's iconic to their to them uh, die off. I mean, we we saw Circuit City and Toys R Us goes away. I was a Toys R Us. Kid oh God, that's crazy, bro. Yeah. Toys R Us. That one. That one broke me because I used to. <laughs> I have so many fun. I was just talking about uh, on uh, on my other show. Uh, yeah. Um, uh, when we do the wrestling podcast over on Hameen, we were just talking about like buying wrestling figures. I remember all the time, like every week going to my parents taking us to Toys R Us, me and my brother and buying things. So I have fond memories. So it sucked. It sucked. But actually I did read though. I think a few stores have reopened for Toys R Us. Yeah. The, 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 the name got bought out by, I don't know, some millionaire or whatever, and they're slowly reopening some. So it's not, I mean, we'll see if it ends up coming back. Uh, like what Bro, to what level? But yeah. I know, I know, I'm shying away from the subject, but it still falls in line with movies. Do you know? Like, if I was a multimillionaire, do you know what I would open up? And I don't give a crap if it makes money or not. What? Do you know what I would open up? I swear, I would open up a blockbuster because I understand we have convenience of streaming movies in your house, but I miss. Those Friday nights, whether it's with your girl or your boys, just going to Blockbuster, spending like two hours to pick a movie that you originally went there to go get in the first place and getting some food and some drinks and going back and everybody's chilling and watching the movie. I absolutely miss that so much. Yeah, I think. um, And it sucks because Blockbuster historically or famously 
had the option to buy what became Netflix. It's crazy. And, well, I think they were kind of doing something like that, but their prices were crazy. But no, they came out with it after Netflix popped off. Oh, but they had okay. an opportunity, I believe, and I believe it was something simple like to buy Netflix for like $20 million. I mean, I'm sorry, $2 million. It was a relatively low thing. And they were like, no, nobody's going to want DVD sent to their house. Nobody's going to want to stream anything. And then now look at it. Now look at you. That, that could have, and this is so funny. Like one day we're going to have to go back and look at like, Deals that completely change the movie and TV landscape. Because if you think about it, if Blockbuster had taken Netflix up on that and bought Netflix at that chance for at that time for one or two million dollars and what Netflix ended up becoming, Blockbuster would still be a very viable company. Like, could you imagine right now, like you go on TV, you're doing Netflix, and instead of it's like Netflix by Blockbuster or something like that, like that name could still be very much around. it probably wouldn't have even had the Netflix name. It probably would have been like Blockbuster Streaming or Blockbuster on on the go or something. And now that company's completely gone, man. But I mean, that's, that statement is kind of a, a mind blowing statement in itself because take it one step further. If let's say Net, like Blockbuster bought out Net, bought Netflix out, we don't know what sort of success they would have had. I'm sure they would have had success, yeah. but we can't say the same exact success, success as Netflix because. You know, it's clearly it's the different. owners didn't have vision. They didn't have vision right. for the for so the So we don't know what success, so. but without Netflix's success, do we get a lot of other because a lot of shit because of Netflix's sex su- success has happened. We've gotten Disney Plus and Amazon streaming, Hulu, and I mean Netflix was the, the, the baby of streaming. Yeah. Yeah. So without Netflix being so big, we might not have gotten half the shit we have now. Yeah. I mean, just imagine all the Netflix original. I know Netflix throws originals out like crazy, but Stranger Things. Just imagine we may not have gotten a Stranger Things in that case. So so many things, man. Stranger yeah. Things, Orange is the New Black, um Bird so Box. many different shows. Was that yeah? Bird Box, uh, Marriage Store. I mean, there's a look well, just look at the award season this year. Irishman. Multitude. The Irishman, bro. Yeah, I mean, shopping around that movie for 15 years, and Netflix is the one that went ahead and happened. Like, yeah, yeah, it's just crazy. We'll have to, we'll, that may be a little retrospective that we record one day, like deals that completely, that if they didn't happen, how Shook how Hollywood. we look. Yeah. Um, but our last news item for today Don't Breathe 2. I'm super excited. First of all, the fact that Stephen Lang is coming back, I love Stephen Lang, bro. Uh, the fact that, 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 and so the the synopsis for this one is, uh, he his character is off living in his own world, but his past comes back to haunt him. What that means is is the main character the the girl gonna come back? I don't know, but like the the fact that this is happening, sign me the hell up, man. Absolutely, I mean, I absolutely loved Don't Breathe. I, I you know watching the movie theater, and I watched it so many times after. It's an amazing movie. Um. I wasn't expecting it to be so good when I when I went into watch movie, but it was really good. And like you said, Stephen Lang is phenomenal. He's one guy that I think I would be terrified if men. I feel like if I met him in person, I'd stick up my hand to shake his hand, and he would literally just punch me in the throat. <laughs> I, I just feel like that's what would happen. Yeah. But um, yeah, I'm definitely excited about this one. I do know like the director for Don't Breathe is actually stepping down. Yeah. Uh, it's a little bit of a trading roles because I think the one of the writers or producers yeah, is going some, to direct. Yeah, it's Fetty Alvarez was the original director, and he's one of the producers that worked very closely with him on this one and his other films. But the thing that makes me excited about this is that he had tweeted out not too long ago a post saying, what what should I work on next? Should I direct Don't Breathe 2 or should I direct Evil Dead 2? And the fact that he's not directing this one, I hope means that he's going to do Evil Dead like. Evil Dead is my favorite horror movie of the decade, so I get excited anytime anything with that comes up. 
Yeah, I like uh, we talked about it. I don't remember in which podcast, but we talked about how Evil Dead Two, the remake, was both of our you know favorites and like you said in the decade. So definitely, yeah. But yeah, don't breathe too, man. Um, but that's it. We we really don't have much else with news. I know that uh, some other things came out about uh, Captain Marvel Two officially happening, but that was a foregone conclusion. I didn't put that on the list because I think when a movie, a Marvel movie, makes over a billion dollars, we know it's going to get a sequel, <laughs> whether they announce it or not. Um. But yeah, anything you got that you want to talk about? Uh, no, I just um, like I said uh, last, keeping it real, uh, just a new segment that we kind of just made up on the fly. Ask the film, bro. So we um, we have a couple questions this week. I'm just gonna go over two of them, okay. and uh, we'll we'll save some for next time. But uh, ready to get into that? Yeah. Uh, the first question is, what do you guys think about so many reboots coming out in the last two decades and missing out on originality? Here's the thing that I have a problem overall with Hollywood, and it's funny that you asked that because I honestly was just thinking about this earlier today, and that is that we hear so much about tired of remakes, tired of reboots, everything and all that stuff, but Hollywood, anytime something original comes out, Hollywood doesn't fucking support it. They they don't like the critics don't support it. They 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 eat it they eat it up alive. Like I'm trying to think the last original thing. Like I have this whole thing with the Force Awakens of it. Like I mean uh, the Last Jedi, but that's Star Wars. So I'm not going to get into that because that's still a sequel nonetheless. But um like to go back to a Cure for Wellness when that came out. I don't even remember. I think that came out yeah. in 2016. Yeah, I, I, I've rewatched that like in the last year or so, just one day being bored. And that was a really good movie. Yeah, it's too long because it's it's a two and a half hour long horror movie, and that's never a good thing. But it's a very original concept, original characters. It wasn't adapted from a book, and it was solid. It wasn't great, but it was solid. But the critics ate it alive like it was the worst thing ever. Like it's even like think like don't breathe yeah that stands out bird box that stands out a quiet place that's like we have the things that are new ips that we that we that do gain a cult following but just overall as far as like huge billion dollar success it doesn't come for original movies like people don't support it at that level so from a studio standpoint if me and you were running a business i'm i would i would use the one for me one for them method right so an original story for me and what we can do as a studio to show what we can build and then let's get our blockbuster by rebooting the old franchise. And I think eventually it's gonna it's gonna get to that point where people ha- where these studios have to do something like that. Yeah, and at, at the end of the day, we have to remember this movie industry, this film industry is a business. Yeah. So these directors, these writers, these producers, at the end of the day, they're there to make money. Yes, obviously they want to entertain their fans as well. However, the bottom line is make money. Now, if you have a franchise that is making money, such as like something like the Avengers, for example, where you're making billions of dollars every movie, why in the hell will you not continue to do sequels exactly. and just continue cashing in paychecks? And you can't really hate anybody for that. And as long as the movies are getting good ratings and people are enjoying them and they're making billions of dollars, why not? Um, the reboots, that's a, something a little bit different. I think sequels and reboots are different. Mm-hmm. Because we've seen a lot of reboots fail, and I think it's because of the nostalgia. People are going to watch the movies because of the nostalgia factor, but if it's not strong enough to hold your attention, then it just dies. Luckily for things like like, um, like, uh, Bad Boys, Bad Boys is not necessarily a reboot, but I mean, shit, the last movie was like 17 years ago, so it kind of feels like a reboot. But most reboots kind of fail, so sequels I have no problem with. The reboots, they they really need to strengthen up that because... The reboots have been failing. And see, my thing is, is not even necessarily just the reboots. I have a huge problem with the things that are like reboots and sequels at the same time, like Dark, like Terminator oh, Dark God. Fate, for example. 
Like, yeah. I feel like if you're going to reboot something, if you want to use the IP, do something completely interesting with it. Don't do this reboot slash sequel thing where you're just retelling the story of the original in a different way. And that's what, like, Terminator Dark Fate was. It was basically the same thing as the first one, just told in a slightly different way to try to build up a new character that you can do sequels with going forward and not rely on the older characters. But because of that, it's like you miss out on what something that could have been original. And then on the flip side of that, with remakes, Child's Play. I feel like oh, I feel like the person Christ. who wrote that did not write that intending it to be a Child's Play movie. But but the but to get that movie made, they were like, all right, we can make it Chucky. And then the studio's yeah. like, bam, we can, reboot, we can reboot Child's Play by this. Let's sign off on it. So yeah, it, it's it's one of the, you do have to always remember that this industry is about making money, and there is name value and recognition in rebooting franchises i think that the problem that they're going for that they're having in hollywood is that they're relying on just that and forgetting about the quality or making it unique if you if you make it something too close to the original we're just going to want the original we're, we're going to want that but if you if you can revitalize it in a new and like evil dead we just got done talking about evil dead evil dead was a remake of the original evil dead but they were too like the evil dead the friend the original franchise was a horror comedy franchise that Evil Dead remake that Fetty Alvarez did was strictly horror. Yes. And it, it it played off the themes in it, so the the fans who came into it from the original Evil Dead did feel the nostalgia from it, but they were also kept hooked in because it was told in a completely new way. That's what you have to do. Yeah, and also, in terms of the, the reboots, if the original, just a word to, to directors and writers and shit out there, if the original movie you're trying to reboot was a classic or something popular don't try don't try to reboot it because people are gonna they're gonna compare it to the original and nothing will ever beat the original now i don't understand i mean to a certain extent i, under, I do understand but movies that were shit the originals mm. those are movies that i think people should try to remake or reboot i understand the, the original movie did horrible so it's taking a huge risk because people didn't like the movie in the first place but this is your chance to make it better and and turn into maybe a, a franchise but when you're taking something that was already popular and trying to make it into your own nine times out of ten people are going to shit on it because they're always going to love the original Absolutely. it's just the way it is yeah sure. so uh th you know thank you for that question and the uh, last question is for uh from rich shimenek um i think i'm butchering your name bro but i think it's rich shimenek uh and he asks what's your guilty pleasure movie your favorite bad movie your go-to when you want to watch a movie that's so bad it's good oh jesus which oh. is a, a really good question but a tough question i'll let you go first though so i gotta think i, gotta oh, think I was gonna i was gonna think of my answer while you were talking <laughs> so um I'm going to go with, so for those who don't know, I'm actually a really big Sylvester Stallone fan. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, Rocky is probably one of my favorite, probably my favorite franchise if I really think about it. I've seen the movies a million times, but um, he made a movie called Over the Top, which did absolutely horrible in the box. You never seen Over the Top? God, it's not ringing any bells. Oh, my God, bro. Yeah, it's, it, well, if I tell you the concept of the movie, you'll probably remember it's where he has a son and he does arm wrestling. I've never seen that movie. You got to watch it, bro. But I'm telling you right now. Okay, I'm just looking really quick on IMDb. The budget for the movie was 25 mil. It grossed worldwide 16 million. However, um, I absolutely enjoyed the movie. I, I understand the movie shit, and they say the acting is really bad from everybody outside of Sylvester Stallone. And also, again, the concept. Who wants to see a trucker try to win a tournament in Vegas, an arm wrestling tournament in Vegas, with his um, estranged son? But at any rate, that's my guilty pleasure. I love watching that movie. I've seen it a million times, even though it's such a shit movie. 
Mine would have to be Shogun. No, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Yeah. Uh, Howard the Duck. My house. Howard the oh. Duck. Honestly, like Howard the Duck is. It's not a good movie at all, but it's a hell of an entertaining movie to see that fucking duck and then the, like the mix between the puppets where they go from like the completely animatronic puppet to clearly the the short person in the suit. It's just like so awkward sometimes. So yeah, my 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 good to pleasure bad movie would have to probably be Howard the Duck just off the top of my head. Yeah, and uh, we've mentioned this a couple times, but both CEO Hayes and I were huge fans of wrestling, you know, back in the day, grew up with it. And I remember on Saturdays and Sundays, they all used to have to have like superstars or wrestling challenge. And almost once a month, once one of those shows were done was Howard the Duck. So I've seen that movie like a million times because I feel like it was on uh, Fox at least once a month right after wrestling on either Saturday or Sunday. So I watched it like all the time. I've seen it a million times. That, that, that doesn't surprise me at all. Well, <laughs> what we got coming up next, JB? So uh, if you're listening to this, uh, it's obviously Monday. We got a mini review coming up, and it's going to be a fan favorite. We did another poll, and uh, technically Sandlot you won. You do a lot of polls, the, bro. Again, I'm not, I'm not going to go there. Um, Sandlot won on the poll, and uh, technically there was a tie between Sandlot and Team Union Turtles, but we decided to go with Sandlot because C.O. Hayes and I – voted for team ninja turtles and really our vote doesn't count it's all for you guys so we once we removed our votes sandlight took it and i'm i'm for one excited it's my favorite baseball movie what we'll talk about it we'll talk yes about we'll it. talk about it you're not coming with some bullshit major league and then after the, <laughs> after that we got birds of prey coming up which i'm actually excited i'm considering the run that dc's been on like i enjoyed aquaman i enjoyed shazam I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to this. Well, everyone knows Margot Robbie's my base, so I can't wait for it. Do people still say Bay? I don't know, but your wife's gonna kill you. No, I say that to her all the time. She knows that. I want no parts in this conversation. That's all I'm gonna say. But no. Uh <laughs> fair enough, JB. Uh go ahead and give them your shit so we can get the fuck out of here. My shit on social media. At the P1JB, tweet me at the P1JB. Uh, of course, I can be found on Facebook as well. Bitch. And you can follow me at <laughs> CEO Hayes. It's at CEO H A I Z E. You can follow us collectively at the Film Bros. Ho. <laughs> That's not what I was pointing to. <laughs> Is that how you allow you me? So you can plug the next thing, JB Jesus, man. Not so you can insult people. No, that's your thing. Take it away. No, that's no, it. you got this, man. Go ahead. You, you, you the have group is you. The group you are in the group more than I am. So go ahead. You have experience with plugging. <laughs> Technically, anyway, <laughs> before this shit derails, you could go on Facebook, our discussion group. Just search the film frequency. We have amazing conversations. Um, you could talk about movies, even if you're not a you know you're not a, a fan of a certain type of genre. There's all kinds of conversations going on there. So go ahead and check it out. Boom. And you, lastly, you can send us any feedback, questions, comments, concerns, the film frequency pod at gmail.com. And lastly, you can send us any voicemails if you want to play it on the podcast at 614-547-2039. Now, that number is for the Breaks Media as a whole. So make sure you say that you're leaving it for the film frequency before it gets played on like technical foul. And they're like, what the fuck? This has nothing mm. to do with sports. There you go. Make sure you say that you're leaving it for uh, the film frequency. But this has been another episode of the soon to be number one film and movie review podcast around. We're out this bitch. Peace. Peace. Yeah. <laughs>